0: Welcome to Nathan's School of Thought. I'm Nathan Walker, Global Performance Coach, here to share principles gleaned from decades of teaching, training, and coaching on four continents. Whether you're a senior executive, salesperson, new parent, military leader, artist, musician, head of a nonprofit, or a student, it doesn't matter who you are, only who you can become. Join me each week to have your brain flipped upside down, as we move together toward a happier, healthier, and much more productive life. Hello, my friends. As I contemplated what to talk about this week, I thought maybe I would formulate this as a letter to my daughter or a conversation with her. One of my daughters has sacrificed for a great long time to have a particular experience as a missionary. This missionary experience took her far from home. She worked night and day to love and serve other people. But recently, a series of unforeseen events transpired to cut that experience short. And though the mission work was very difficult, leaving it feels heartbreaking to her. We commonly expect things to go the way we pictured they would. And when they don't, we think things aren't working out. There's a famous Chinese proverb that talks about this a little bit. An old man lived on the border and raised horses for a living. One day he lost one of his prized horses. And after hearing about it, all the neighbors and the townspeople came to comfort him. And he simply said, how do we know this isn't a good thing? And of course, they thought he was nuts. After a long time, the horse came back with a lot of other really beautiful horses. And the neighbors came over again and congratulated this old man on his good fortune. Look at all these horses. He's a rich man. And he said, How do we know this might not be a bad thing? And they thought he was nuts again. One day his son went out for a ride with the new horse and was violently bucked off and broke his leg. So the neighbors gathered round to express their condolences, and he said, How do we know this is not a good thing? And the neighbors, of course, thought he was nuts. Several months later, the emperor's army arrived at the village to recruit all able-bodied men because they were being invaded by a barbarian force. Because the son was crippled from having had his leg so badly broken, he did not have to go off to war, and he was spared certain death. Now, this story has been around for centuries. But it really does apply to all of us, and we can look at our lives and think about what experience teaches us. As I look back upon my life thus far, I can clearly see that many, if not most, of the greatest experiences of my life began with what I thought, at the time, was a disaster. Several years ago, a chance conversation with a friend put me in touch with a former student of my father's, who was now a very successful composer and producer. He worked at a famous studio, and I thought his life sounded like something that I wanted to be my life. So I gave him a call. Because of his respect for my father and his mutual friendship, he agreed to listen to some of the stuff that I was doing musically. And after several conversations and sending some recordings back and forth, he invited me to move to another state, join him at the studio, and see if we couldn't start something together, at least some beginning to a career in music that was exactly what I thought I wanted. So I talked with my wife, and we packed up our little baby and packed up each other, and off we went, into the wild blue yonder. We moved several hours away from home to another state, and the very week we moved, my would-be mentor left that position at that studio, became a freelance artist, and we never met. Incidentally, he went on to become quite famous, and is a very respected and well-known musician. I wondered for a long time about how I had missed that boat. We had prayed about our decision to move. We were sure it was the right thing to do. We were absolutely sure that this was the big break. This was my ship coming in. And so off we went. We found an apartment to stay in while we waited to connect with him, and we waited for the checks to start rolling in, When I started working with my new mentor. But since we never met, no checks rolled in. We soon ran out of money. We had friends with no food bringing us food. We had people trying to help us remodel the apartment we were in, in lieu of rent because we couldn't pay the rent. We went to church hoping our local congregation could help and be friendly. But for whatever reason, not one soul ever even said hello. When Christmas rolled around, we only had $10 between us. And so our Christmas limit was that $10. Not long afterward, we were in dire straits. Somewhere in all this back and forth, I got a little bit desperate. I had applied to go to school at the local university, but they rejected me saying I had too much music experience and not enough of everything else. Since I was applying to be a music major... That made no sense to me, but I asked if I could appeal it, and the guy said, well, I'll appeal it for you. I was too young and naive at the time to know that that didn't mean anything. I went down to the local music store and put a little card on the bulletin board saying, if anybody needs a fill-in drummer and singer, I can do it. Nothing. I went down to check it a week later, thinking maybe it had been removed from the board, and it hadn't. Just nobody was interested. I felt like a failure in that, too. Finally, one day I decided I should go ahead and remove that card from the board, since it seemed to be doing no good. When I put my hand on the thumbtack to remove it, I had a feeling I should leave it one more day. So I did. I drove back to the house. That afternoon, I got a phone call from a band who had lost their drummer to a family emergency, and they were trying to complete a U.S. and Canada tour. Would I be willing to learn all of their material in one afternoon and go on the road with them and complete the tour? I said yes. They came over to my place, we rehearsed for an afternoon, and a couple of days later I was on the road, headed for who knows where, helping them finish out the tour. My young wife stayed home and played hostess to a sister and brother-in-law who were staying with us at the time, and took care of our little baby. I called every night to make sure they were okay. During a little break in the tour, I was at home, getting ready for church. I realized that our cloth diapers, which by now were more like cheesecloth than any other kind of real cloth, needed washed or we wouldn't make it through the day. And so I headed to the laundromat, put the diapers in the washer, and came back to the house to finish getting ready for church. As soon as I was ready, I went down to the laundromat again to put them in the dryer and finally a third time to get them out of the dryer so that we could get to church on time. Someone had stolen our cloth diapers. I felt like a total failure. My wife burst into tears when I told her what happened, called her father, and said, We're failures. Come and get us. He hooked up a trailer and drove seven hours, to pick us up. I really thought that I must be totally out of touch with God's plans for me, my plans for me or anybody else's plans for me. I was absolutely convinced that I was a failure, that this was a bad thing, that somehow despite everything we felt, we had made the wrong decision. After I finished out the tour with that band, I said a cordial goodbye to the band members and lost track of them for many years. Almost 20 years later, in a casual conversation with a friend, she mentioned where she had grown up. I asked if she knew my friend Harry. She said yes. She did. It was a very small town. I soon got a phone call from Harry, a member of that band from so many years before. As we talked, he mentioned another friend, one I remembered well and told me how Doug was doing. Soon I was not only talking with both of them, but they had formed a new band, and I joined it. We played together for a couple of years and had a lot of fun. During a conversation with Doug, he asked, Now what are you teaching right now? I was teaching at a university at the time. I told him I was teaching digital audio and music technology. He said, You know, if you could teach that, and went on to describe some technical training that I might be adept at. I didn't even know what he was talking about. I had never even heard of it. A couple of months later, I was employed by what quickly became the largest company of its kind in the world. Within two years, I was believed to be the most prolific trainer on that topic in the world, something I had never heard about. But much more important than that, I had friends all over the world Dear close friends, we had deep conversations about life and love and families, about careers and hopes and dreams. I was able to touch lives and have mine touched by many more. It was a miracle to me. That became the defining moment in my career. That job took me to another city. In that city, my two oldest daughters met their spouses. Doug. That person God knew I needed to meet 20 years before was present at the weddings. I am convinced that God's plans for our lives are much bigger than our own. It would be foolish for us to count something as a disaster that may indeed prove to be a blessing, though hopefully we don't have to wait 20 years to find out what it was. Even still, it was worth the wait. And so to my sweet daughter. This experience is difficult now. I won't attempt to talk you out of feeling a sense of loss or loneliness, of wondering what happened or why things turned out the way they did. But it would be foolish for either of us to think that this isn't a blessing. We just don't know how the blessing unfolds. I'm convinced that most of the experiences that we have in our life are to teach us. And if we allow ourselves to learn they all turn into blessings down the road, one way or the other. C.S. Lewis found a really good way to describe this. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. my sweet daughter, and all of my friends. Love the house despite the pain of the remodel and let him live in it. Your life will never be the same. I'm grateful for the disasters that became triumph. I hope your life is filled with them. As always, I'd love to hear from you. Check the link in the description for a way to contact me and tell me what your thoughts are. If there are things you would like me to talk about on these podcasts, I'd love to know it. If you would like to set up some time to have a conversation with me about this or any other topic, just put it in the comments portion of the contact page and I'll get hold of you. We'll set up a time to talk together free of charge and figure out how I can help you best. We'll talk to you soon.